Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. To the lords of the City of London, from the gold markets of the Pacific Rim and the Far East, comes V, the guerrilla economist. He clears the fog of economic and geopolitical disinfo. Know the truth. See the trends. Understand the players. Protect your future and family. The financial freedom fighter, a rebel with a cause. This worldwide transmission has been brought to you by V, the guerrilla economist. Helping the world understand, prepare, and make sound decisions to protect your future and your family. Visit V, the guerrilla economist, at roguemoney.net. Spelled R-O-G-U-E-M-O-N-E-Y. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, and I do not have Harley with me. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I've actually emailed him the, the link. Uh, I know he wanted to be on on Friday, so Harley's currently not here. So I guess I could just do a, a quick recap of uh, this week's news and information very quickly, and then 3 p.m. get geared up for the uh, show with... Um, with uh, Utsav Sanduja, and that's going to be a great uh, show as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, there's lots of things going on, man. There really is a bunch of stuff that's going on. I want to start off with, I, I guess we'll start off with this, okay? This is uh, quite important uh, to say. Um. The issue with what's happening right now, there's about 35 plus banks that are at risk. Uh, what is going to play out is going to be anybody's guess. Some banks will fail. It is going to happen. And we are in a very weird place, folks. We are in a very, very weird place. I have a, another meeting with, with my brain trust uh, on the institutional side next month. Uh Middle of April, I'll have a lot more data to, to share with you guys. But I just wanted to come out and say that, you know, I've called it. You know, look at the price move on Bitcoin. Bitcoin, I last checked, is 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 up. It was up at twenty six thousand this morning. I don't know if that's still the 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 case here, but you know uh let me yeah bitcoin's up you know twenty six thousand dollars i mean we're heading if if that thing crests 28 then we're going to 30 just as i predicted um <clears throat> qe started i told you guys last year that that they're going to turn on the spigots come march they're going to have to turn it on because there are systemic risks that are in the system no one could have predicted that svb bank would be the one to first pop or actually silvergate right and it's all connected, Silvergate, SVB, Signature, FTX. There's a connection. There's a trigger with all that. And, in fact, when FTX occurred, I told you guys, the guy's like a suicide bomber. He, you know, drove his truck into the into the entire market, into the entire industry and blew up, blew it up. 
uh, the crypto markets are recovering. There is some headway uh, that is happening, but these bank failures um, are creating another set of problems. And I think uh, I think a lot of those problems will be fixed, uh, especially with the crypto liquidity and whatnot, probably by April or May. Um, but, you know, we're in the throes of it. And they're going to have to turn the spigots back on. Right now, again, like what Velas was highlighting, and every time he comes here every every Friday to break it down, you know, it is a war. I've been detailing it. We're all getting different intels from different sides of this war. You know, Tom got, you know, uh, the intel on his side to get my intel. Velas has his. And being connected to a lot of the institutional side of things, we can kind of see a, a 30,000-foot view of what the hell is happening and what's coming next. So I think this month of March for the remainder of the month, I think we might see another bank failure or two and probably going into April. But I think you're going to start seeing, um, you know, a lot of this massive QE that's going to be coming out to, you know, to bolster a lot of these failing banks. So what does that mean for you? Okay, this, this, this bank failure stuff is going to start disappearing off the headlines on the news. And then what is going to occur is, is again, they got to turn on the perception machine. The perception machine has got to be turned on full tilt. The story has to be that, hey, the markets are doing great. Hey, uh, you know, the economy is doing fairly decent. Okay, that's going to be the word. They're not going to say the economy is doing great. The economy is roaring and booming because they cannot... Folks, the economy is broken. They cannot fix it. Uh, so they can never, you know, say that, hey, the economy is growing. It's doing wonderful. There's a net, you know, job gain. Those days are over. They're just going to say the economy is doing fine. It's, 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 it's treading. It's just petering along. But the markets are doing great. And the markets uh, predicate where the economy is going to go uh, in the future, so on and so, so forth. But and um, so that's where we're headed. Uh, the dollar has Pretty much the fat lady has sung with the Saudi-Iranian uh, announcement and what we're witnessing today with all these interests that are occurring within the United States that are these factions that are fighting amongst themselves is who is going to be controlling America on the other side of this collapse, on the other side of this reset, on the other side of the dollar not being world reserve currency anymore, okay? And this is where it's headed, and, and uh, that's what we're all documenting here that we're all trying to you know um uh, trying to you know figure out and so that yeah, there's there's a lot of nervousness you know there there's you know oh my god harley's here harley's here it's a miracle uh, v, I'm, I'm so sorry i forgot i keep forgetting that the u.s changes time before germany so yeah i hope hopefully hopefully uh, the rumors have it that this could be the last year we're doing this stupid uh uh you know daylight savings and all this other nonsense i so have no idea why germany takes two weeks after the u.s to switch but i keep missing appointments <laughs> but we changed this problem. saturday so, so i'll be okay not a problem hey i'm glad that you're here i was just ranting for a little bit but harley harley slander's back folks he you can find him over at the larouche organization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. With that being said, Harley, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm glad to be back. Oh, you, you're, you're cutting out, Harley. You Could you repeat? You're glad to be back? I, I, yeah, I said we missed each other the last few weeks. Yes, we did. We definitely did. 
But now that you're here, where do you want to begin? How are things happening? We have a lot happening in France with Macron, who issued Article 42.9 of his constitution, basically making himself almost uh, giving himself a dictatorial ability to make massive changes that affects the lives of French citizens without any sort of approval from his parliament or his party. Uh, we have the situation in Ukraine. We have the Iran-Saudi deal that was cemented that is incredible. It brings Saudi Arabia into the breaks into the multipolar world, and it brings Iran into OPEC. The dollar's days are numbered. Where do you want to begin? Well, there, there is so much, as you were saying, but just a, a quick comment on Macron, because he's not worth much more. Right. He's pulling his little Napoleon stunt without the Grand Armée. So he's going to be facing a situation with demonstrators on the streets. No one's sure which way the police will go. Uh, the military is unhappy because of the NATO policy in Ukraine. So Macron may be pretty soon seeing Rishi Sunak type popularity numbers. <laughs> now, the, the two things I'm watching very closely, the sh continuing shift away from the unipolar order. You mentioned yeah. the China deal with Iran and Saudi Arabia. Extremely important. Uh, this caught the, the West off guard, which shows how deluded they are. They, this has been going on. The Saudis have been working with Putin. They've been working with the Chinese. Uh, the Iranians are virtually a part of the BRICS. Yep. And so this happens. And, and the key to it, two, two keys. One, the Chinese are showing that diplomacy actually can work. And that's important for Ukraine also. But secondly, the basis for peace is economic development. The Saudis are announcing a program of investment in Iran. They're talking about joint work together to rebuild Syria. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, there was a meeting in Moscow with Assad and Putin, who are coordinating now with uh, Turkey and uh, also, uh, who is the other country? Uh, and the Saudis, yes, uh, for a Syrian reconstruction program, and again, diplomacy, coordination. Uh, you may have to fight to defeat terrorists or insurgencies or regime change. Assad has certainly proven that, and the Syrian people, by the way, should be saluted for standing up to defend the sovereignty of their nation when they were taking on the United States. They were taking on the. Uh, uh, terrorists that were funded by the United States. So it, it's really quite an extraordinary situation. And it completely freezes the United States out at a point where the U.S. main ally, Israel, is going through a disintegration process because of the whole situation around the war against the Palestinians. So that's the, the unipolar order is dead man walking just like Credit Suisse, which is the other situation to talk about. And, and I'm sure you've had a lot to say about oh, the yeah. situation. Yeah. Right. Now, go ahead. But, you, you can break that down for us as well, Harley. Go ahead. Well, $54 billion bailout of Credit Suisse from the Swiss National Bank. The Swiss GDP is something like $100 billion. So almost half of the Swiss GDP is going in to bail out the bank because it's what they call a sci-fi, system, systemically important financial institution. Right. If Credit Suisse falls, the, the whole European banking system is shaking. Sure. 
And then Deutsche Bank is, has, has never gotten back on stable ground. Uh, so you, you can see what's happening there. And it shows that what happened in the United States is not really a banking crisis. What happened with SVP, uh, with Signature Bank, with uh, First Republic Bank, it's a, this, the appearance, the outward appearance of banking crises. But underneath it is the hollowed out physical economy of the United States. Because if you look at Signature Bank, that had to do with crypto. You look at SVP, that had to do with the tech sector. Uh, what's left in the United States besides speculation and messing around with the internet? Not no, much. Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And so people were saying, well, I mean, Janet Yellen, she's got to be the, the worse. Well, I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to compete for who's the worst. But she said yesterday in the Congress, uh, no, the system is fundamentally sound. And then she said, my main concern is to restore confidence in the U.S. economy. Well, if the system's sound, why do you have to restore confidence? Then she said, this is not a bailout. <laughs> and she said, it's because it's a private bailout. Well, who did the bailout? You know, It's, the, it's so uh, private, we can't tell you. Well, the First Republic, they do tell you. And, and that's quite telling. Uh, the, the four banks that put up most of the $30 billion are J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, uh, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America. Now, people are saying, well, are they doing that because they want to grab the assets? I'm not sure there's that much in the way of assets to grab. They want to stop the domino from uh, uh, cascading across the banking system because they're worried about their own banks. So, you know, the, the whole situation is if, if you look away through rose-colored glasses and say, well, this is just growing pains. It has nothing to do with 2008 because it wasn't mortgage-backed securities. Well, Paul Craig Roberts, did you see his column yesterday? No, I didn't. Uh, this is very interesting. He said, what we're looking at is the big banks that are doing these bailouts are leveraged 100 to 1 when it comes to derivatives. Yep. And he pointed Absolutely. out Lehman was 35 to 1. Yep. And he said, now, you can talk all you want about swaps and, and uh, other forms of uh, insurance on the derivatives. But ultimately, there's not enough value to back up these positions. And so he said, it's not going to stop with these handful of banks. It's not going to stop with crypto. He said, the banks that are involved in crypto, they're pretty much gone because there's not much that's going to pull crypto back. But, but then he said, the real question is, what do you do with portfolios that are over leveraged uh, with debt and have as assets 1% uh, treasuries? So he's saying that this is not a sustainable system. Mm. No, it, it's not a sustainable system. He's right. Look, it, it's, the banks that are, and here's the other aspect of it, as you know, a lot of guys were just, everybody's just trying to figure out what, what it is and give their best opinion to it. But as somebody who works on the institutional side of things in terms of digital assets and precious metals, I'm a bit of an expert in both areas. Uh, I will tell you this they have taken an absolute sledgehammer to the rails, the liquidity rails for the entire crypto industry. There are, Five major liquidity providers that provide liquidity for cryptographic currencies in the entire Western Hemisphere. 
That's hmm. Canada, North America, Central and South America. There's not a crypto project. Then these guys, I know every single one of them by name, by name. These are guys that, you know, that I have lunch with. These are guys that are my partners in many endeavors. And I'll tell you right now, it's um, what they've told me is this. The damage has been done. And if it continues to go in the direction where you have a failure at Metropolitan Bank, where you have a failure at Customers Bank, where you have a to total failure at Western Alliance Bank, then that entire web of, of liquidity, which used to be able to settle a trade in 20 seconds, is now taking two to three hours. That entire web of liquidity will be shattered for the entire Western Hemisphere for North America, that is Canada, America, Mexico, as well as Central and, 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 and South America as well. They're wrecking it. And the only ones that will, which will force these companies to go to Wall Street friendly or, the, or, or, the, or basically the, the, the Wall Street mafia, go to them. And when they go to Wall Street, then they have to play by Wall Street's quote unquote compliance rules which means that they will act they will completely grab the liquidity rails in their control which is something that Wall Street was Wall Street was salivating for for the long well, and that's time. also one of the selling points for crypto is that yeah. it's independent of that exactly yeah. exactly so it's a big problem Harley it's a big problem some of these guys that I'm talking to are thinking of moving their entire operations out of the United States and that's going to be terrible you know but it it something that they have to look into. They'd rather do that than, than submit. I mean, they've done enough in terms of being compliant with SEC regulations and CFTC regulations and IRS regulations. But now it's just, it's just gone past the point of ridiculous at this, at this. Well, let, let me tell you what they're yeah. talking about in Europe on this. Sure. The, the thing that was a shocker, you might say a bombshell in Europe was when Moody's downgraded the whole system from stable to negative. Yes. And, so the people in Europe are saying, well, which banks can we work with? And they say, well, obviously the, the big five, the big six, uh, but these are the banks that are involved in the bailout now. These are the banks that did the 30 billion to uh, First Republic. And so one of the people I talked to, who's a very competent uh, financial manager for a, an independent firm out of Monaco, he said the decision was made to save the banks and to forget about inflation for the moment. Because when you start pouring this amount of money in as a bank rescue, whether you call it that or not, you're going to trigger new levels of inflation. And we see the hesitation from Powell is going to be 25 basis points, 50 basis points, zero increase. Uh, what do we do? Because they say inflation is stubborn. Remember, this Janet Yellen was the one who said we see transitory inflation. It's not going to be with us for long. Yeah, yeah, it's transitory, right? They don't it, know it, what it, they're it, doing. Transitory, like, uh, like, uh, you know, like Caitlyn Jenner. It's transitory, <laughs> <laughs> or transitory, like someone who's moved under a bridge because they can't afford a house. That's a transitory. That's also transitory. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I think the fact that Paul Craig Roberts was so open on the derivatives question, he said, if they're incapable of protecting the derivative trading then the whole system, the knees will buckle of every banker in uh, the West. So yeah. these shock effects are, are real. And they're coming at a point where there's now, according to Politico, Washington Post, New York Times, 
there's hesitancy developing in NATO countries about more money for Ukraine. And there's a reason for it. The U.S. military is putting out the word that Ukraine is running out of ammunition, the NATO weapons are not getting to them quickly enough, and they don't have enough soldiers. Mm -hmm. So what seems to be a stalemate now actually is a moment where Putin is waiting to see if the support for Zelensky in the war will crack before they go with a full offensive. In the meantime, Russia's not running out of missiles. They're not running out of rockets. And I think it's tomorrow Putin and Xi Jinping are going to meet. That's right. And they're going to take up this question of Zelensky saying he's willing to talk to China. Now, the funny thing about it is Zelensky focused on one part of China's uh, 12-point program, which was rebuilding. Uh, he ignored all the others, like a ceasefire, like uh, recognizing legitimate security demands of the other. And Xi Jinping is not going to talk to Zelensky about rebuilding Ukraine if Ukraine is going to continue this war. Yeah. Now, no one really knows what the situation is inside Ukraine in terms of how stable is Zelensky, uh, is Zeluzny, the head of the, the military, is he looking at another option? What everyone's worried about now is what happens if the pipeline from the West dries up. And we just had a, a very interesting development in the Bundestag on Wednesday. The AfD, the Alternative for Deutschland, put forward a motion for a full German investigation into the Nord Sea pipelines. And every other party said, this is Putin talking points. This is anti-American. We're not going to go along with this. And a poll was taken yesterday, which showed that most people in Germany would like to know who blew up the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So this means that Schultz, his Warhawk Green uh, allies, and the dwindling support for the Free Democrats, all of them are now falling below 20% support in the polls. And in fact, the, the, in the Berlin elections two weeks ago, the, the Greens and the SPD together had 18, or each had 18%. The FTP had 4%. That's 40%. You can't keep a coalition government going at 40%. So uh, uh, as the... the Around Easter weekend, there's a plan for another demonstration. Now, you could have by then 5 million people in the streets in France. You have hundreds of thousands on strike in Great Britain. In Greece, you have an uprising uh, resulting from the austerity plans of the Greek government and the European Union that have led to an absolutely unsafe situation with the railroads there. We had this tragedy of more than 50 people killed in a train crash because of austerity. And then you look at uh, Pete Buttigieg, the, the uh, Mayor Pete, who said, well, people shouldn't be so focused on East Palestine. We have a derailment every week. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, you know, it's not safe to get on a train in the United States or Greece. Meanwhile, China just brought online three weeks ago their new high-speed rail that goes 400 miles an hour between Shanghai and the Shanghai airport. Yeah, but it doesn't derail, Harley. And that's, a, see, you don't understand. <laughs> Derailing is a feature that's baked into American rails. I don't know if you know that, Harley. It's not a, well, I, I know a it, feature. It, it, 
it's it's an exciting adventure to take a, a train in the United States because if they go over 20 miles an hour, you're worried about where you're going to end up in the river or something. Harley, it is an adrenaline rush. I remember commuting into the city <laughs> and, and I have to take the Metro North in and I was in this tra the train and, and the Hudson River is right there because the rail is running right next to the water. You can reach out and touch it. And there's something about it's so vigorating when the train is going about 60 miles an hour. And you're praying to God and holding on to your sandwich for dear life and your coffee in the other hand, and you're shaking. It's wonderful. It's a feature. Yeah, it's part of the excitement of living in America. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, Harley, I said this a long time ago, and it, and it held true back in 2012 when I said it. America's a third-world country with third-world infrastructure, with third-world monetary policy, with third-world politicians, and all it's looking for right now is a third-world currency, and that is soon to be remedied. Well, now, I just reread a speech that Lyndon LaRouche gave in Berlin in March 2006, where he essentially laid out what the shift from a productive manufacturing and scientific agricultural economy to a post-industrial rubbish heap, what this means for the United States. And as you read through this speech, you can see the specter of 2008 looming large. He was talking about the financialization of everything, uh, and the reversal of a, uh, or re a monetary system which uh, is moving away from anything physical because of the, the problem of getting a short-term return. And he said, the result of this shift is that we now have a doomed culture, a doomed civilization. Yeah, we do. Now, he said at that point, pretty soon people are going to regret the repeal of Glass-Steagall. So that was in 2006. I find it very interesting that in his column yesterday, Paul Craig Roberts said people are asking if Glass-Steagall were still in place, would this have happened? And he said people are coming up with lame brain excuses that this had nothing to do with the commercial banks and investment banks merging. And he said that's just fraudulent. The whole system was based on moving from the Glass-Steagall regulatory system to the Dodd-Frank phony regulatory system. And yesterday, in speaking before the Senate committee, Yellen was asked, what about Glass-Steagall? And this was, uh, I think, Maria Cantwell from Washington asked that. Uh, Wyden from Oregon seconded that. And Yellen's response was, well, there'll be plenty of time to consider whether regulatory or supervisory changes are necessary. That, that's when she said, for now, I would just like to see confidence restored in the soundness of America. The Glass-Steagall regulatory reform is the first step away from a Ponzi scheme in banking. If you don't do that, sooner or later, the banks will evaporate along with all the depositors' money. And then the question is, not will they bail out the billionaires, but will anybody get bailed out? Yeah. So I, I think we should look at this as a precursor for something bigger that's coming down the pike. Now, what this means, I, I did an interview with a South African radio station today, and the first question they had is, does it look to you as though the BRICS Plus, which they now have 20 countries which have applied for membership in the BRICS. This is the Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, South Africa Alliance, 20 countries, including the Saudis, yep. including the UAE, uh, which is interesting. Yep. Uh, so 
they they ask, does this mean that the BRICS will have to speed up the transition to dealing in national currencies and regional currency blocks? And I said, of course. And he said, so does that mean we're going to move back toward a gold-backed system? And I said, not just gold, but oil, strategic metals, food, fertilizer, physical good production. That was the strength of the dollar after World War II, that we had a real physical economy behind it. And if anything happened with that physical economy, we had a gold reserve system. Now, you, we, after 1971, no gold reserve system and 50 years of deindustrialization, privatization, and deregulation, we no longer have a physical economy. And he just kind of laughed and he said, you know, Janet Yellen was down here last month lecturing us on what we need to do to strengthen our economy. And this, this South African radio host said, we have problems in our economy, but nothing like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's un unbelievable, man. It's And that's the thing. You have... 20 some odd members that are joining the BRICS. And then there's overlap. There, you have the, 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 the Shanghai Cooperative Organization, right? You yeah. have the Belt and Road Initiative. You have the, 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 the Eurasian Trade Zone. You have what is happening in the global south. You have, when you take all the tally, and granted, there's some overlap here, <coughs> all that tally together, Harley, you got over 150 some odd countries that have told the West to go take a flying leap. Here's, here's the point for Americans. Don't be frightened by this. The system is standing on a rotten foundation. And these other countries know it, and Americans don't know it because of the corruption of our media and the corruption of our political class. However, these other countries don't want to see the United States suffer because they know that ultimately, if the United States gets on the right track, the United States can still be the driver for the world economy but can't be the dictator, can't be the policeman. And that's a good thing. Why should the United States spend $900 billion a year to be a policeman when the, the policeman's not effective in policing the streets? So as I think I said the last time I was on with you, the, the enemy is not Russia or China or all these poor third world countries. They could be our allies. The enemy is the globalist corporate cartel elite that believe that they can control things by lying and censoring the news and keep the American people under control. And I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening. It may take longer for the United States to shift, but I see a shift going on in Germany now. I see a shift in Good. France, in Italy, in uh, Serbia in uh, the Czech Republic. All these countries are, are they're, they're looking at their leaders and saying, why are we going with this policy in Ukraine? Uh, now, of course, you have the true believers like the, the uh, Baltic countries, the powerful countries of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Uh, you have the lunatic prime minister of Finland who's saying, we can't wait to join NATO. And Erdogan told her today, well, you'd better do some changes first because we don't want to be uh, expanding NATO with countries that are supporting terrorists. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, the, the, the world is changing dramatically. And the idea that Putin is sick and losing, that Russia's running out of weapons, that's just media disinformation. So, you know, I think the, the positive news is that the world is shifting in the right direction. 
And Americans, instead of being afraid of that, instead of being afraid of losing our position as the hegemon, should be glad because it costs us a lot in blood and money. Yeah, it costs us everything. For decreasing gains. Yep. Even Honduras jumped ship the other day when they said they're shifting their uh, relationship from Taiwan to China. So there are now only 12 countries in the world that recognize Taiwan as a separate entity. And by the way, one of those is not the United States. The U.S. policy still is one China. Correct. Now, just one final note, the uh, this AUKUS conference where uh, Rishi Sunak and the uh, uh, Albanese from Australia and Biden got together in San Diego to thump their chest about how they're going to have these nuclear subs for Australia, and that'll be a game changer in the Indo-Pacific. Oh, yeah, game changer. <laughs> if you read the fine <laughs> print, works. <laughs> if you read the fine print, Australia may be getting a nuclear sub in 30 years. Oh, yeah, because it'll take the Americans 30 years to build one, Harley. Harley, that's just what, <laughs> have, you, have I ever told you my analogy what would happen if the oceans of the world were to, were to dry up what America would do? What? If the oceans of the world were to dry up tomorrow, the United States will still be building submarines, and they will create a bucket line of people going around the block carrying buckets to pour on the submarine because that's just what we do. We can't, in other words, the whole point of that analogy is there's no, we can't shift course in this country. If it's war, we're going to be on war until we fail at it. You know, if it's a monetary policy, it's 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 all the way. It's everything is run to failure in the United States. Well. And to, to amplify that point, if you go back to the involvement that we started in Vietnam in the mid-60s, we've been at war someplace in the world every year since then, and we haven't won them. Yeah, no, we haven't won a single war. And people, Some people say, we won World War II. Now we won the Pacific Theater, but eight out of ten German soldiers died at the hands of Russians. So, no, we didn't. So it, it, it's what have we won? And we have American generals who are strikeout artists. They're known for losing. They're known for losing. Yeah, but now they're the ones on MSNBC and CNN who are telling us how to win in Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Along with such intelligence experts as uh, John Brennan and uh, what was the former DNI's name? Uh, I, I forget. Uh, Michael he's so Hayden. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hayden the idiot. And they got other morons like the man bun wearing uh, Peter Zeehan. Who's the new geo geopolitical geostrategic uh, expert du jour of the month? Peter, you know, I, I saw I saw a clip from the Three Stooges in San Diego signing the AUKUS. In the front row in the audience was that fat Victoria Newland, yeah, smiling ear to ear, because she said, uh, "Don't worry, we can take down China." And then also not in the picture, but uh, involved in the same operation is Samantha Power, who is bragging about how uh, the Summit for Democracy that's coming up in two weeks, uh, it's going to be the final uh, isolation of Russia and China. So (laughs) these people, if they actually believe this, they're insane. insane. If they don't believe it, they're puffing their chests up with nothing behind them. Yeah. No, literally, this is the worst form. This is like beyond echo chamber. This is uh, 
what Western leaders are. I'm not even going to use the word echo chamber anymore because that is uh, that's giving disrespect to echo chamber, Harley. <laughs> These are crackheads in a trap house in the ghetto having all sorts of or they're the equivalent of, a, of hippies living in a commune high on LSD telling fanciful stories about all the things they've done and all the things they're going to do and what they can accomplish and the resources they have. It's incredible to me. Not even crackheads are this delusional, Harley. But yet there's what we have in the West, and these are the people that are, that are, uh, that are leading us. Well, and they, they fail to recognize that what they think is so sophisticated, modern capabilities such as hybrid warfare and, and so on, this is really 18th and 19th century methods of geopolitical thinking, of the idea that you can, you can manipulate populations to enslave themselves. And what we're seeing is that that's not working anymore. Now, if in the United States people could get over identity politics and recognize that the people you're screaming against, whether it's on abortion or critical race theory or any of these hot-button issues, are people who should be allied with you to bring down the global cartels that are running the country. If Americans could recognize that, we could then take our place once again as one of the leading anti-colonial powers in the world, because that's exactly. how we were created as a, as a rebellion we against the empire. Yeah, yep. exactly right. Exactly right. Harley, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I, I know it was like short notice in the time zones, but I'm, I'm so happy that you joined us and you were here today. Well, I'm glad to talk to you again, V. It seems like it's been months since we talked, but it's, it's the, the nature of the period. Things are happening so fast. You know, you lose track of time. I, I was just telling my son, I thought it was Monday today. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It happens to me as well. Anyway, folks, you can find them over at the LaRouche Pack. Dot, I'm sorry, the LaRouche Organization.com, the LaRouche Organization.com, as well as the Schiller Institute.com. And with that being said, enjoy your weekends, folks, and we'll be back at 3 p.m. with Utsav Sanduja. Utsav Sanduja will be at 3 p.m. And with that being said, enjoy your weekend. Cheers.